Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is a ministry of Mountain View Baptist Church in Thomaston, Georgia. For more information about our church or services, please visit our website at mvbaptist.org. We sincerely hope you enjoy the message. Well, praise the Lord. That's the only way I can stand anyway is in His power. Amen. I can, uh, I can tell you folks are just getting excited there knowing that, uh, you know, the rest of the world may think he's, uh, he's gone or he didn't even exist, but I know he's living and at the right hand of the Father. I know he did raise, he uh, rose again from that grave. Isn't that right, Larry? I see you back there nodding, praise the Lord. Every time I talk to Larry about Jesus, it doesn't take but about, I don't know, 11, 12 seconds before he starts weeping about how good Jesus is. And I appreciate that so much. I love an underdog story. I, I've seen the Rocky movies, I don't know, too many times for sure. And uh, I know there's not a whole lot of good acting in those, but I, I love a, a come-from-behind kind of scene. I I love to watch, not only watch, I, I'll get into it. Like there's, there's still the boxing scenes where you can look over at me sometimes and just like watching fighting today, I, I'll be moving myself. Like I'll be watching that film and just moving myself, hoping that the, the, the character will duck or something, you know. And so, so here's the thing, here's the thing. I love those kind of stories. And I'm going to tell you something. We are going to be in the Christmas story. And, and uh, lo and behold, the, the Peanuts cartoon did not come up with Luke chapter 2. Although I remember them you know, speaking it and telling it and all. And I remember Linus just doing that story and all. We're going to be in the Christmas story. But here's the thing. This is the greatest this is the greatest rags to riches kind of story there is. This is the, this is the greatest comeback kind of story you could ever come up with. This is one of those kind of stories. I do have some questions though, and we'll go over those in just a minute. If you would, uh, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. We're going to be in Luke chapter two, and I'm looking forward to getting into this story. You've heard it a bunch in the past few weeks. You're going to hear it again tonight. Luke chapter two, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Some things never change. April 15th will be the date. I can promise you that, but uh, just write your check out to China. How about that? Just do that. Verse 2, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because, there was no, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary as a spouse wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you that was born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying 
in the manger. Just a quick note, you all know this, you've all heard this, the Magi are not there, they don't see Jesus for a few more years. They don't see Jesus for a few more years. It's the shepherds that have been called, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child, and all that they heard it and wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You may be seated. Folks, I love Christmas. I do. I love Christmas. I've told you guys the story before. There was a little boy. He was, he, was, he was kneeling beside his bed with his brother, and they were saying their prayers. A lot of family was there. It was him for Christmas and all. And that little brother, that little brother he got to praying out loud. He said, he got to, he got to screaming. It. He said, Lord, I, I want that board game I was talking about. And Lord, I want that video game I was talking Just screaming just as loud as he could. His older brother looked over at him and said, you don't have to scream. God's not hard of hearing. He said, I know, but Grandma is. Amen? Here, here's, here, here's, here's the thing. Lord. I, I love Christmas. I love the story of Christmas. I love the meaning behind Christmas. I love all of those things. But I'm going to tell you something. There are some questions that I have in the midst of all this as I dig and I look and I understand the, I understand the, uh, the education system. I understand, uh, I understand sometimes can, kids can slip through the cracks. They're not paying attention, all that kind of stuff. I brought me a detention desk tonight just in case you ever wanted to know what it looked like when I was sitting in detention. But I have a, I have a detention desk, and I've got a few questions, folks, about this story. And I don't know about you, but when I was, when I, whenever I had a question, the teacher didn't want to call on me because she figured I was going to be a smart aleck. But I'd have my hand up, you know. And how many of you ever had your hand up so long you had to hold it up? You know, come on, teacher, call on me, call on me, and you start waving it like this right here. Bubba told me this morning he had a prayer request in Sunday school, and uh, he was doing this very same thing. I just kept teaching. I just kept teaching. But here, here's, the, here's the thing. I've got, I've got a question about this story. Now, I came to, and we're going to get in the, into Mountain View in just a minute, but when, when I came here, I, Amy and I walked in the doors, and we saw, we saw the people. This was at 11 a.m. service, the very first service we were here almost seven years ago. And we, we walked in here, and, and she and I said, this is a lot like the little country church we came from years and years ago that we love so much, only it's a lot bigger. It's just a lot bigger. People loving each other, caring for each other, and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm going to tell you what I believe, and I know I've said this a lot in the past couple of months, but I believe God's about to do something in this church and through this church that's going to amaze some people. It's going it's to amaze some people. And here's my first question to kind of lead into what I'm talking about. First question I have is, hey, 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 Lord, here's my question. Why in the world did you choose Bethlehem? Why, in the, why would you choose Bethlehem? This is a little old place, and, and I, I mean, I don't, even, I don't even really understand. Look, 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 the city limit signs are on the same post. That's how little it was. The, the, the Motel 6, only, it, only, it only carried for six people. I mean, that's what, this was a tiny town. But here's the thing about, here's the thing about Bethlehem. You see, Bethlehem, though it was tiny, God had big plans for it. If you remember correctly, this is the same place David came from. This is the same place that the story of Ruth is around. God's got a plan for these, this little bitty city called Bethlehem. And David, remember the story? David is so longing for Bethlehem. There must have been something special about this little city. Something really, really special because David got to the point where he was longing for the water from Bethlehem. Have you ever had just a cool glass of water that you poured down your throat in a hot, on a hot summer day? He said, he said to three of his mighty men, he said, 
I wish I could just have, and he was being, look, he may have been anointed to be king, but at this point he was running for his life. Everywhere he went, his life was on the line. And he said, I wish I could just go back home. I wish I could just go back home. I w- have you ever been away for so long? You say, listen, I, I'm, it's so glad, I'm so glad to be back. Some of our older people who are taking care of themselves and are at home now, when they get back in the pew, they say, oh, how good it feels to be back in the church. It feels so good to be back with the people. Here's the thing. David said, if I could just get a glass of water, if I could just get a glass of water from Bethlehem. And he didn't think anything else about it. Those mighty men, I'll preach on it one day, but those mighty men said, he wants a glass of water. We'll get him a glass of water. And they put their lives on the line. They put their lives on the line for a simple glass. So they went back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem had the best wells and the best water. And and David said, if I could just get back to my childhood a little bit, if I could just see some of those old times. And and, and God knew this was the city of David. This was the city city of uh, of Ruth. He knew that this would be the, the, the prophesied city of Jesus Christ. Let me read this to you. Micah 5 and 2 says this. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come unto me, that is, that is ruler of Israel. Folks, listen, he already had a plan for it. He already had, he has a plan for every little, God gets the glory by taking the small things that nobody thinks can be used and using them for his glory. The other night, this is the crazy, Ryan, do preachers just come up, anything can be an analogy? Look, I'm going to tell you something, this blew my mind, okay? I didn't know much about slugs. Slugs. Nasty old, I didn't know much about them. We had some cat food outside on the porch. Now listen to me. I don't even know what a slug, it's just, it's just gross and just, I mean, you can basically you know, pour salt on it and it disintegrates. God, how did you create this? But here's the thing, every night at a certain time, this slug that I don't even know what kind of brain it is, every night at a certain time, we could go out on the porch, there'd be five or six of them with their antennas sticking up in the air, eating that cat food. And I thought to myself, I said, God, even the slugs have a purpose. Even those small things have a purpose. And here was Bethlehem. I said, Lord, why in the world would you choose a place like Bethlehem? He said, oh, it's because I can get a hold of a small place like Bethlehem. And, and those big cities like Atlanta or like Alexandria and Rome and those places like that, they'd all take credit for having the king born in their city. But to have the king born in Bethlehem means I get all the glory. It means I get all the glory. I'm God, so that's why I chose it. But you know... I got a second question. Why in the world, of all the places, would you choose Nazareth for him to grow up in? Lord, I I don't get it. Okay, so we've been studying Nazareth. Nazareth probably had a couple of hundred people in it. And and just like Pastor Rex was saying this morning, Nathaniel comes here, you know, Thomas comes in there and he says, well, Philip comes in there and he says, hey, look, I found the Savior. I found him. I found him. Nathaniel says, Can anything come good from Nazareth? You reckon revival can come from Thomaston? You you mean to tell me you think that a a movement of God can come from a city like that? Do you you mean to tell me that 
Lord, look, Nazareth, Nazareth was, I mean, it was full of, it had all kinds of crazy folks in that place. I mean, people would pass through and they, they, the Jews hated it and the Romans hated it. I mean, Nazareth, could it be, could it be that big of a deal? I mean, could, could, could something good come from a place like that? Could, could something good come from, come from Nazareth? I mean, there were people who misbehaved all the time. I, I told you once about the little boy and the mama came up to him and said, listen, Ah, you've been misbehaving, misbehaving. You see that little boy over there? He's not misbehaving. And the little boy looked at her and said, he must have good parents. Amen? That's not good. Here, here, here's the thing you've got to understand. God says, God says, I'll come into a place. I'll come into a mill town. Oh, praise God. I'll come into a mill town. But here's why. You say, oh, he takes the small, oh, he takes that small shepherd known as David, and he puts him up against an uncircumcised Philistine that's nine feet tall. And we know all the preacher, all the preacher stuff about the fact that David never called him a giant. He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. And he went against it, but he, he chose a little shepherd boy to do that. And we think, oh, that's amazing, and it is, but be careful. It's not because of just the amazing part about him being 13, 14 years old. The amazing part of this thing is that God says, I will, that's my motive operandi. I'll take people that you never thought could be used. I'll take people you never thought could be used and I'll raise them up, not for their glory, but for my glory. I'll raise them up. The people we see and we, 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 em, we emulate and we love and we, 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 we want their autographs and we go and see and all those things like that, that God will raise up someone and God will raise, I'm, I'm going to tell this story, and then I'm going to tell you, and I mean, we don't have the video or anything like that, but, you know, it was uh, 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 Carter and Olivia, they gave a concert for our older folks on Friday, and, and I just heard the story. It's hard to believe. I had them raise their hand in, that, in, the, in the seniors, and it really shocked me how many people didn't know who Kim Collingsworth was. And I said, you know, if you know who Kim Collingsworth is, raise your hand. And there was, there was probably five or six that raised their hand. And, uh, and then I said, man, you've got to go and watch some of this. She's one of the best. She's one of the best, if not the best, Southern gospel pianist out there today. I mean, probably one of the best pianists out there today. I mean, she just is. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. She tells a story. She tells a story. She says when she was four years old, when she was four years old, she listened to her daddy. Her daddy was behind the pulpit, and her daddy was teaching about Solomon had a gift. Solomon had a gift, and she wanted a gift. She was four years old. She said, Daddy, I want a gift. That afternoon, she said, Daddy, I want a gift. I'd love a gift. He said, you just keep praying, baby, and God will give you a gift. It wasn't just but a year or two later that she, was, she heard her sister, and her sister was playing piano, and she went in there and started playing the same thing her sister was playing. And the mama came in there and said, how did you learn to do that? She said, well, I'm just playing what sister was playing just a minute ago. And she got to where she could play that, and she never had, listen, she never had a lesson she never had a lesson, a formal lesson. And I'm telling you, she's one of the greatest pianists. Brother Keith, one of the greatest pianists alive today. But she said this. She said, she said I never got, she always, I always wanted to go to college and get that degree. I always wanted to go to college and get that degree in, in piano and stuff, but, but I, I, I never went to college and get it. She said, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. She said, it wasn't audible, wasn't anything like that, but I just felt it in my heart that the Lord said this. Kim, if you had gone to college... Your teachers could take the credit. You see, when she was a little girl, she looked at her daddy. She said, you think this could be my gift? He said, oh, baby, I believe this is your gift. But see, he said, if you, if you go to college, the teachers could have taken credit. He said, I want you. You asked me for a gift. She said when she was praying for that gift, she said, 
please, 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 please give me that gift. And those fingers now play the piano like you would never believe. I hope you'll go home and I hope you'll look her up. But here's the thing. He raised her up not for her glory. Not for her glory. He raised her up for his glory. Too many people trying to share glory with God. When Lucifer did it, he got kicked out of heaven. When Lucifer did it, hey, and then get this, get this. Here's the thing. Carter, he, he, he emails her and stuff like that because he's a fan. He's going to a concert. He sees her up there and they're all, the, the whites and his family, they're all there. The whites and the whites are there. Hey, how about that? All right, so they're, they're there, and, and they're, they're at the concert, and he goes up, he gets in line, and he says, I'm the one that says something to you about maybe playing a duet someday. She says, come on up. Come on up. See, there's a story in this. Maybe we ought to step out with the Lord sometimes and just, just be brave. He got up there, and there's a film of him playing with, there's a film of him playing with her, does a great job, and then she has him play something for her. But you know what? Carter and... And Curran and all of our musicians that are up here, every last one of them, we talk about how wonderful they are. Brother Keith and how great he is, our drummer, all these different things that we have that are so, oh, so wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. The moment Mountain View starts trying to steal the glory from God, we're going we're gonna to fall to our faces. We're going to fall to our faces. I promise you revival can come when we stop trying to give ourselves glory and we give glory to God. I wonder, Lord, you used Bethlehem and you used Nazareth. It just sometimes doesn't make any sense to me, these places that you use. Oh, and he'll take the smallest of people, like a little 16-year-old named Eliza who married a 20-year-old tailor. She married a 20-year-old tailor, and she taught him to read. She taught him to write. She taught him to spell. She taught him good manners. But he was a great tailor. He was a great tailor. And he became the 17th president of the United States, Andrew Johnson. See, she went in and she was, listen, God used somebody that nobody knew in this Eliza to, to, create, to create this man that, that he was able to then move into the presidency of the United States. Oh, that we would give God glory for what he does. This Christmas story, God, you're using the small. You're using the, the minuscule, the things that people don't care anything about. You're using them. I got another question. Lord, why wasn't there room for him? I mean, this is God we're talking about. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. But he chose to come in human form. So coming in human form, he, he, had, a, he had a space and he had a, a place to be. He was a baby. They said, listen, they go to the door. They knock on the door. He says, there's really no room. I wish I could help you. There's a, maybe a cave outside. We don't know whether it's a, a, a manger of sorts, but a cave of sorts. Maybe the animals laid in. But we knew there was, there was a, a, a manger there that he would lay in. And, and, and oh, my goodness, the stable or the cave, it doesn't matter. He didn't have room. And they, they put the living God inside of a feeding trough, an animal feeding trough. They laid they laid him in God why wasn't there room for you you know what you know what Jesus can say then he knows what it feels like to be rejected he, he knows what it feels like to be rejected you see one of, you know one of the famous preachers of old that I love to read G Campbell Morgan G Campbell Morgan said one day he, was, he went into the, the Methodist 
And he was to be tested to see if he could become a pastor. And this would be an awfully tough test if this were done today. But he said he stood up in a room that probably seated about as many as this church does right now. I mean, as many as the pews will seat. He said there were three men that were judging him. And there were about 75 just watching. And it was his job to prove to them that he was called to preach. And he said he got up there and he started preaching. He said everything left, left his mind. His notes didn't make sense to him. All this kind of stuff didn't make He said he left. And out of 150 people, 105 of them were rejected and he was one of them. He telegraphed home, he said, rejected and heartbroken. His daddy telegrammed back. He said, rejected by the world, accepted in heaven. G. Campbell Morgan became one of the most profound writers and preachers of all time. Of all time. Of all time. He, he, he was there, he was there uh, before many preachers came after him. There was some of the greatest of preachers came after him. And then he was, he was one of the best. He, he knew what it was like to be rejected. And Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. We don't have room for you. Oh, we got room for music and we got room for praise and we got room for raising our hands and we got room for events, which we all love and adore, including myself. We got room for all that. Oh, but listen, when it comes to the holiness and worship of the Lord, if we ever really get down in reverence sometimes, we're like, man, that was a, that was a little dull and boring. Where's, where's room for worship of Jesus? When Jesus first came into my life, I, I had a I had a little cubby hole for him. I said, Lord, this is, this is your room, all yours. And I closed the door and locked it. The rest of the house was mine. I could walk around, do what I wanted to. You know, I had, I had Jesus over here. And then when I needed him, I was like, Jesus, where are you? Why, why aren't you helping me? I need you in this case. I need you. I need you. And finally, I hear this voice and say, you've locked me inside of a box. You haven't given me all of you. This isn't what I told you. This isn't what I promised. Give me all of you, all of you. You can't sit me in a hole somewhere. Oh, listen, I don't have room for you. I got a little place you can stay. I got a stable you can stay in my life. I've got a place you can stay. I'll put you in the feeding trough. How about that? I'll put you in the feeding trough as long as I get to live my life the way I want to. Why wasn't there enough room for the Lord? For laughter, yes. Christmas trees, gifts, food, fun, singing, memories. Oh, listen. But then there's a knock at the door. And you go to the door and open it. And there he stands. And you say, listen, if you could just come back a little later. We're a little busy right now celebrating your birthday. I have another question. Why in the world, Lord? Why in the world would you choose shepherds? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Shepherds were the most despised trade, career, whatever you want, most despised in all of the Middle East. They were nasty, they were dirty, they were mostly with these sheep. 24-7, oh, they cared for the sheep and they loved the sheep, but they were, they were, they were, 
were the nasty. They were always dirty. They hardly ever got a chance to bathe. They, no, no, they never were allowed to, to, uh, to testify in court because when if they testified in court, those people would look at them and say, oh, listen, he's a liar. He's a shepherd for heaven's sake. He's a, he's a shepherd. I mean, you can't let him testify. Why would, you, why would you let someone like that, someone like that, come in and testify in the midst of this? Oh, oh, listen to me. Can you imagine? Please, go through this with me. Just walk through this with me. Think about this for a minute. These shepherds are out there minding their own business. Most of the town won't even talk to them. And all of a sudden, an angel stands there. And says, you've been invited to see the Savior. What in the world does that even mean? Hey, do you remember? Do you remember we read that in, a, in that book, the, the, in those scriptures or something? Somebody read that to us? You, re, you remember that? That must be something about, you mean glory to God in the highest. Look at this. This is amazing. This is incredible. Okay, we're following you. We're following you. The only human beings that we know of standing with Joseph and Mary around the baby Jesus are these nasty shepherds. Why? Why is that the only way? You're a king. You should have had Caesar standing beside you. Oh, you should have had Caesar. You should have had all the Roman guard around you standing and protecting you. You should have had, you should have had ever, all the gold and all the silver and all the, all, the, all the riches of the world. It should have been around. You're God. You should have been honored. But instead, you called shepherds. Can anything good come from Thomas now? When we, when we look at this and, and we, we, say, we say, well, Lord, you know, you chose, you chose these guys and, and all of this. And let, me, let, me give you, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example of how people thought of them. And we'll move. We'll move quickly. I promise. This is, this is what they thought of them. If you can equate, and, and let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I'm trying my best to equate this and, and not be judgmental at the same time. But I know a lot of times I'll go to the carnival. I love, the, I love fried everything. You fry it, I'll try it. You know that saying. I'll eat a number two pencil if you'll fry it. But here, here's, here's the thing. Man, I go to the fair and I see, I see fried broccoli, fried Oreos, fried Snickers, Fried, you name it, it's fried. It's just, and I and I like the fair. I like I like the smell of the fair until I get around the cows. You know, I like the I like I like the smell of the food. I like the big turkey legs that all. I'll tear it off. I look like Fred Flintstone eating this thing. But the carnival workers, it's real easy for me to say, man, those folks are rough. I don't know that I would leave my grand girl with a bunch of carnival workers. Oh, you don't feel that way. Jesus said, carnival workers? Come see Jesus. 
He didn't say, he didn't go into the insurance companies. He didn't go to the banks. He didn't go to the politicians. He didn't go to any of them. He said, hey, you guys, come over here. I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek of the one who's going to save the world. They get to stand there over him. They get to stand over him, and they're going, why in the world? How did we get invited? Is anybody else coming? Is, that, is, this, all, is this what this is? He, listen, listen. He wants to use, he wants to use us. I wonder why. Why God chose Mountain View. I, I've got to verify the story. I do. Dennis, maybe you can. A family, but maybe some of you can. But seems to me someone told me that at the founding of the church, Miss Laura told me that when she met her husband, they were building the original building. This is what Miss Laura said. But raise your hand if you know Miss Laura. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, good, good, good. Okay. Miss Laura told me, she said, I got, off that, I got off that ride from school, and I saw this good-looking man up there. She said it. If the family's watching, on, she said it, not me. I saw this good-looking man working on this church. I said, he's got to be mine. And he went up there, she went up there and they met and, and they got married and they built that little church. But somewhere in the founding of this church, somewhere, one of the buildings, something like that, they placed the Bible in the foundation. And they prayed this prayer, something similar to this. May on this hill we always preach the living word of God. And it's been so ever since. I sent out my application everywhere. I did. I tell a story. I told a story to Sunday school as part of my testimony. Maybe one day I'll share it. Maybe I won't. But this part I will. I was riding around with uh, Benny Tate for a little bit. He was telling me a couple of churches that he might send me to. He said, and I said, you know what, Pastor, I, I want to be pastor of Southern Baptist Church. I I grew up Southern Baptist. I, I want to be, I want to pastor a Southern Baptist. He said, okay. He said, but Ryan, just know when you use my name, I'm just telling you, some people hate me, some people love me. It's just all there is to it. So you use my name and all this, you're welcome to, but I'm telling you. And I would send out my application. I had it all down. I've told you guys, I told 830 this. I had it down. I knew the church I was going to. I told Amy, I said, this is where I'm going. She didn't much like it because we'd have to travel a good bit to, to, to get back and forth. And I said, this is where I'm going. I know this is where, I'm, this is it. This is it. I sent in everything. Oh, new people in the church. They said, we're going to give you a good word. We're going to talk to them. We, we said, hey, look. And then, and then in the mail, I got, they never even called to interview me. Not, not even to interview me. They sent back, I sent them all credentials. All, I sent them CDs. I sent them all that. And I, I remember they sent back a letter and said, you're not what we're looking for. Okay. I got three, three of those. Two of them just kind of about word of mouth and and one of them, not a single one of them interviewed me. Not a single one. I was beginning to think maybe I need to take one of those churches. I mean, he's going to just sit me in there. I mean, he's president of, the, of that denomination. He could just sit me in there. I was, I was beginning to think that. Suddenly, hey, somebody comes out of the church one day, and I think it was Rodney and Tiffany Blunt. They came out of church that day, and they said, hey, you know, so-and-so's, uh, 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 so-and-so has left Mountain View. And I said, I said, well, and joking, just joking, Steve. I said, hey, tell him to give me a call. And Amy and I walked off laughing, didn't we, baby? We just walked off smiling. 
That night, Pastor Rex called me. I came in and he wanted me to, he wanted me to be the, wanted me to be the youth pastor. I said, nah. <laughs> I said, I know what God's called me to do. And he, he said, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it. I, I remember, I remember sitting there and I mean, it was him and Mark Baggett. I remember sitting there and, and Chet came in for a moment, came out and I remember, you know, talking with him. And here's what I told him. I said, guys, I said, guys, listen. I said, uh, I'm not going to take the youth pastor position, but you know what I thank you for? I thank you for just letting me come in. I said, nobody else would even interview me. Nobody else would even talk to me. I got doors shut and doors shut and doors shut and doors shut. I said, thank you for at least letting me come in the room. I wonder, I wonder why God chose Mountain View to do what He's about to do in you. And all He's already done do you know, and here's what I'm hoping, here's what I'm hoping, here's what I'm hoping. I know, I had one, I, I won't name it because it's right here, but I had one of the deacons tell me, Ryan, I, I don't think our problem is going to be pushing you, I think our problem is going to be pulling you back. We're going to have to, you know, rein you in. And, I, and that's probably true. But here, listen to me, listen to me. The room you sit in is a million dollars way back then or more. The building, education wing, the gyms, all these dreams y'all have had over the years, all I'm begging you, all I'm begging you is please don't stop dreaming. That's all I'm begging you. I'm not saying do anything stupid. I'm just saying, hey, listen, they're, they're, why? you know, God's not done. God didn't say, oh, you're done, Mountain View. This is over. It's, it's, it's all done. No, 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 no. Listen, he could take me tonight on the way home and take me to heaven. Oh, and I'd be in a great place. And Mountain View would be okay because God would provide a person for this pulpit that could take, take, take control and go forward and move forward with whatever plan he had. It's not about a person. It's not about any of those 43 years of faithful service from our godly pastor, but yet one day we will all have to face our maker in death. He's ready to do something with Mountain View. Because he's ready to do something with every Bible-believing church in this nation if they're ready. If they're ready, if they're ready to go forward, if they're ready to move forward. Oh, listen, churches, it says, no, 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 don't stop dreaming whatever you do. Don't stop having faith. Don't have, stop having faith bigger than all these, all these mountains that are out there, all these obstacles out there. We can do this. Oh, why would God choose Mountain View in the middle of Thomaston hey, to be a flagship church up on a hill? And it's, listen, the people who built these walls were not doctors and lawyers. Bless you if you are that. But I'm just telling you, they weren't that. They were people that were like, man, let's just get in here and hit this thing. You got any nails I can borrow? Yeah, I got some nails. That'll save us some money. All these different things. And then they build gymnasium and building after building after building after building. And then we say, well, I guess God's done. God, why did you choose Mountain View? Folks, I can tell you, every Sunday I drive by probably 10 churches. Probably two to three have people in the parking lots. And I want to commend you and say this. You're helping one over at the Rock Baptist Church. This church gives them money every month to keep going. 
They're right at, they were at zero members. They were at zero members. They're probably at about 60 right now, praise God. And it's because you've been faithful and other churches have been faithful to help them along the way. Folks, that's what it ought to be. This isn't about us having every person. This isn't about us ever having every person. This is about the kingdom spreading and the word spreading and God getting glory, praise God, in the middle of all that. Hey, I got, I got another one. Why did he choose the cross? Of all the things to go by, you could get stoned or you could get this or this. He chose the most wicked kind of destruction he could. The beating, the flogging, the, the, the beating and the bleeding and the, all of this. And he gets nailed to a cross. He gets mocked. He's naked on the cross. They're mocking him. They're laughing at him. All They're spitting on him. All of these different things. And he's dying between two thieves. And he's on this cross as innocent as he can be. And he's taking our sin upon him. And that's the worst part of his whole death is he had to take the whole sin of the world on him. And his father reject him and turn his back on him. Right, right there where he's on the cross. Why would he choose that? Let me tell you something, folks. There are a lot of people out there who believe they can lose their salvation. Let me tell you something. If that's the case, the cross was a joke. The Old Testament said you were saved by those sacrifices, the blood sacrifices and the things that you did and God counted it as righteousness. In the New Testament, it is the cross. It is the cross alone. You don't get credit. Listen, listen, the reason he chooses Nazareth is Nazareth can't take credit. The reason he chooses Bethlehem is Bethlehem can't take credit. The reason he chooses the smaller person is because they can't take credit for where they go when he takes them there. They may take it, but they don't deserve it. Why did he choose the cross? Listen, it is a failing assumption to say, oh, listen, I can lose it at any moment. If I do this wrong or do that wrong, then you don't need the cross. You've got it made. You're perfect. He didn't have to go to the cross if that's the case. Never had to. Never had to. He had to go to the cross to make this final, the final payment for sin. Why did he choose the cross? Why did he, listen, and here's, here's the last thing. Here's the last thing, folks. Why did he choose me and you? I'm not talking about an election thing. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. In his sovereignty, he's chosen us to make a movement across Thomaston and Upson County. He's chosen us. You know one thing I hate to get chosen for is jury duty. I can't stand it, man. It takes two days to figure out whoever is going to get chosen to be on that little, on that little board. And I've already decided they're guilty, Matt. I'm just like that. You know, I, I just, you're just guilty. As one guy said, he's trying to get out of jury duty. So he was trying to get out of jury duty. So he, I mean, he was working hard on it. He was telling this and that. And they said, no, we got to have you. We got to have you. Finally, this guy interrupted. He had been chosen. He interrupted. He went up to the judge and he said, listen. He said, you see that guy right over there? The guy with the beady eyes and all that, he said, I've already decided. He looks like a scoundrel. He's terrible. He's, he's probably lying. Uh, every time he gets up, to, uh, up, he probably lying, all those different things. And the judge interrupts him and says, stop your game. That's the lawyer you're talking about. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. God chose us. Dan, Daniel, and Shonda, and we, we were... We were eating with them. Brooks was there too. And we were eating with them at the Bullock House. We were filling up. We were filling up. And it was just like, it's just like Dan. Dan, Dan said, Ryan, it, this, he said, man, none of this makes sense to me. 
He said, uh, if you just knew me back when. I said, Dan, you don't think I think it's strange that I'm behind a pulpit? He said, why, why, why would, why would, he, this is, this is, this is strange. Hey, why, why would I get, he said, I'm trying to live for the Lord, but man, I, I just know where I've been. I said, we all know where we've been. Every single person knows where they've been. But God says, listen, I'll bring beauty from ashes. I'll bring beauty from ashes. Oh, I'm so thankful God chose us. I'm so glad he said, look here, I got a church in Thomaston, Georgia, that if they just get on their feet and praise me, I'd do something amazing in that church. And I'll, hey, I'll take it to, a, I'll take it to revive. I'll take it to fellowship. I'll take it to all the churches around us. I'll take it to wherever I got to take it. As long as they're praising and worshiping me, all that he can, all that he can just choose. Oh, listen, but you got to be ready for the fight. I was reading about a missionary named Nathan Barlow, and I'm, I'm closing, but I was reading about a missionary named Nathan Barlow. And Nathan Barlow, he, he was in Ethiopia, and he used, to, he used to help all the people. And these particular people were catching a disease called mossy foot. And it ulcers and sores all over their feet. They couldn't walk. It was contagious, all of that. He worked there for years and was beaten up, beaten up, beaten up. Finally, his daughter said, you've got to come home. She brought him back to the States, and he couldn't stand it, Matt. He couldn't stand it. He said, I've got to go back to the people I love. He went back to Ethiopia. He caught that disease and more. He still would preach and still would preach. One time he had to leave the mission field because his tooth had grown an abscess. And so he had to have that tooth removed. And he said, never, 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 never will I have to do that again, leave the mission field with my teeth. He had all of his teeth pulled and false ones put in just so he could preach the gospel. Say, God, why would you choose Bethlehem? Why would you choose Nazareth? Why would you choose shepherds? Why would you, why would you choose Mountain View? Why, why would you choose us? And right in the middle of this, he says, Ryan, listen to me. The reason I choose you is because I want the glory. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, folks. He can take the small and he makes it big. He can, he can take the weak and he'll make it strong. He takes the poor and he makes them rich. He takes the downtrodden and he elevates them. He takes the humble and he elevates them. He takes the ridiculed and he gives them a blessing. He takes the forgotten and he gives them a remembering. He takes the mock and he encourages them. He takes the worn out and, and tired and he energizes them. He takes the hurting and he heals them. He takes the ashes and he creates beauty. He, he restores what the locusts have eaten. Let me end on this note. Things are tearing up in some of our lives. They're broken in pieces. God loves a comeback story. God loves a rags to riches story. You say it's broken. I don't know how to fix it. He does. It's torn up. I don't know where to go. He does. I've messed up. I don't know what to do. He knows what to do. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I got some questions for you. Why did you choose Christ? Why did you, why did you choose to be saved? To be on the sidelines and to be comfortable? 
to, to say, oh, I, I, I'm saved now. I don't have to worry about hell anymore. I've got my fire insurance. Oh, why, why did you choose him? Why did you choose him? Friend, I hope you've chosen him to move forward fast and furious. I hope you've chosen him to get the word of God out there. I hope you've chosen him. I hope you've chosen him to get out the message of Jesus Christ and that cross out there to him. Friend, maybe there's somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I hope there is a bunch of people in this room one day that doesn't, don't know him because I want to tell them about him. Maybe there's somebody on the other side of that camera that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Friend, here's the deal. We're all sinners and falling short of the glory of God, Romans 3 tells us. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, Romans 6 tells us. But here's the thing, friend. You need to repent of your sins. You say, Ryan, I want to make it right with God. I, I, want, to be, I want to be born again. I, I want to be saved tonight. Friend, then what I want you to do is I want you to pray this prayer, meaning it with all of your heart. You've got to mean it with all of your heart. I'm not saving you. This prayer won't save you unless you mean it with all of your heart. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sin. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to save me. I know I'm on my way to hell. But when you save me, I'll be on my way to heaven. Thank you for paying the price for me. Thank you for saving my soul. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to come see me down here. If you're on the other side of that camera, I want you to find a church, a pastor, one of us, somebody you can call and find out about this Jesus. Lord God, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. I thank you for a church that loves you dearly. I thank you so much. What a beautiful and wonderful Savior you are. Thank you for picking us. We're ready. We're ready, Lord. I promise you we're ready. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. As we sing, as we praise Him, give Him glory and praise. Give Him glory and praise for taking the small things in the world, taking the things nobody else wants to give credit, taking, taking those things that nobody else even mentions in their, in their prayers anymore. He just takes them and He lifts them up and uses them in a mighty way. Thank Him today. Give Him praise and glory for that. What a wonderful and inspiring word we've just heard. It is our prayer that our Lord has richly blessed you through this message. Please join us next time for another message from our pastor. Until then, may you find hope and peace through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior.